We do have the people that are going to expect, you know, a phone call or paper. And then we've got the people that would love to communicate with you via text message or a chat bot. And then there's the other people that we're even finding that are, well, would love to use like Amazon Alexa to be able to say, hey, Alexa, pay my bill. This is Flux Capacitor, a podcast about the future of electricity. I'm Francis Bradley of the Canadian Electricity Association. This is episode 038 of the Flux Capacitor. We feature discussions about the future of the business of electricity on this podcast and what the future transformations will mean for electricity companies, regulators, society, and customers. Once again, this podcast was not recorded face-to-face, but using Zoom. Today, the conversation is about the customer, generations of them, in fact, my guest is Allison Copeland from Kubra, a customer experience management solutions company that is also a corporate partner of CEA. Allison and I talk about a recent report by her firm, From Generation Z to Baby Boomers, what each generation expects from your organization. And like many previous podcasts, we close the conversation with a book recommendation. Here is my conversation with Allison, recorded in late June 2021. In my introduction, uh, I always note that this podcast is about the future of electricity and, and what that future will mean for electricity companies, regulators, society, and customers. But today's podcast will deal with that last group, with the customers. Today, my guest is Allison Copeland, who is Senior Director of Marketing at Kubra. And Kubra is a company that works with electricity companies and other companies in that customer relationship space. Allison, welcome to the podcast. Glad you're able to join us. Great. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Why don't you tell us maybe a little bit about Kubra, kind of what, what it does and what its role is? Yeah. So Kubra is a customer experience management company. And so what we mean by that is we help uh, primarily utilities, but we work with other industries as well, um, with their billing and payment solutions, with their customer communications, everything that they're doing to help improve the experience for their customers, make sure they can make their payments easier, um, they get the bills the way they want, they get their notifications the way they want, all those various things. Um, obviously, billing and payment is a really big part of what we do, but we also do the customer communications, which is you know, alerts and notifications. Uh, we do mobile apps. Right. We also do power outage maps. Um, and we've got some artificial intelligence we're now working into some of our solutions. So we've got things that actually, so rather than, um, you know, the text message communications of the past where you'd have to text out or something, if there was a power outage now, right. now they yeah. can just say my power is out and we understand what that is and can respond appropriately and go from there. So some neat technology going on too. Wow. Yeah, so um, I wanted to, to uh, bring you onto the podcast so we could talk a, a, actually about a report um, that you, you uh, your company put together about generations. But before that, maybe just a little bit about you know how that's changing that 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 um, that the whole customer uh, relationship and the customer space uh, is changing. Uh, how is that different today than it would have been, you know, a decade or two ago? What are the sorts of things that are that are making the, the, the management of that customer relationship different today? Well, first off, I mean, I think that there's been a mindset shift, especially with the utilities, you know, we, the old thought about 
um, you know, they're just rate payers and, and that's, that's not the case anymore. They really think of them as customers. They understand that there, there is competition um, out there in the market. And if they're not seeing it yet in their, in their part of the world, then they're going to at some point, whether it's um, solar or whatever it may be. So right. they need to improve that experience. Um, I think also it helps them, you know, with their rate cases and, you know, all of that to make sure that they can get more money to help make the experience better by providing better energy. Right. Um, I think that's one part. Of course, you know, the internet, I mean, this whole digital revolution, um, you know, we're on our phones pretty much constantly now. I think yeah. that I saw a report where people check their phones like 200 times a day or something is very average. So, uh, and I think just this connected world in general. So it's, it's really shifting people out of back in the day of, you know, writing checks and sending things right. in the mail. And now everything's not just online, but on their phone. And now they're doing things like making payments with Amazon Alexa or mm -hmm. talking to their Google Home. So all of that's shifting. And, and the other interesting thing, obviously, with um, everything that's happened with the pandemic in the last you know, year and a half, we're seeing even more people shift to digital because they right. want to be hands off. So yeah. it's, it's a safety thing in that case. So how does that shift to digital change their expectations? It, I guess it changes how they expect to interact with uh, with their electricity companies? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, everybody's so used to kind of, you know, you always hear about it, but that Netflix experience or that Amazon experience mm. where you go on and they're giving you recommendations and they kind of, they know who you are and whether you're on your phone or you're on your mm -hmm. computer, they're um, giving you the same information and you can kind of work seamlessly between the two and, and, you know, interact with your utility company or interact with Amazon. I, they, they're kind of not there's no line there anymore, right? Between right. how you expect those communications to happen. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to, to dig into this, uh, this, this report that talks about generational differences and so on. But before that, um, I, I, it's a question I ask uh, a lot of people that come on the podcast. Um, I ask about the, the, their personal journey. Uh, and so, so uh, how, did, how did you wind up in this, uh, this senior marketing role with, uh, with Kubra? What was, what was <laughs> yeah. your journey? Well, let's see. Um, you know, I really worked my way up in the kind of B2B marketing world, um, working primarily at technology and then at pharmaceutical. Okay. Um, so I really found technology to be fascinating and kind of liked watching that grow. Um, one of the companies I was working with did consumer electronics. And so they were really working on uh, building chargers and things for your computers and mm. your phones and everything else that actually would reduce that vampire power. Right. So um it was cool. They would actually, they'll actually turn off once it's, it's charged. So you're not yeah. just, you know, sending the electricity out. Um, so that was interesting. We did some research there um, about consumers and, you know, if, if they would pay more for those chargers, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And, and, uh, and the interesting thing was they said, well, they thought it was great and they wanted to save power, but they didn't really want to spend any more money. So <laughs> it, that was, that was one thing that was kind of interesting. Right. Um, and then when I, then I moved on to the pharmaceutical world, um, and I was actually working on some projects to use text messaging to help keep patients adherent to their medications. Okay. So kind of at a time where text messaging was up and coming, we were working on how, how do we reach out to patients to make sure that they're taking their medications when they should be. Yeah. Um, so following that, I actually joined um, 
iFactor um, in 2013, and and that company was doing the power outage maps and communications. Um, okay. I was director of marketing there, but it kind of brought it all together. You know, this um, the text messaging, the electric. Yeah. I have to tell you, I was a little concerned. I thought, is this going to be interesting? Kind of working primarily with utility companies. Is this? <laughs> and I've I found it so much more interesting than I ever thought I, I would. And I, oh. I know I tell people that when I interview them all the time, I'm like, you know, you you think, oh, electric companies is going to be this is is this going to be interesting? But there's really so much going on with the technologies yeah. and everything yeah. that's happening. So it's it's been really interesting. Um, so uh, that company, iFactor, was actually acquired in 2016 by Kubra. Okay. And at that, that point, I moved into the role of director of marketing there and then, and then up to senior director. So, yeah, kind of that's been my evolution. All right. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about this, uh, this report that came out just, well, just a, sh- a short time ago. It's titled From Generation Z to Baby Boomers, What Each Generation Expects from Your Organization. Um, being a, a baby boomer uh, and having kids <laughs> that are Gen Z, um, interested to, to kind of get your perspectives. First off, what was the the evolution? Well, how the, how this report originally came together, and why why did you first want to look through uh, a kind of a generational lens? And then we can talk a little bit about uh, some of the things that you, that you found out. But kind of why why looking at it from a uh, the you know the baby boomer Gen X millennial millennials and Gen Z lens. Are they all that yeah. different? There are definitely some differences and there's some commonalities that I yeah. can share. Um, yeah, just sort of as we were kind of looking at how do we better reach customers and help our clients help reach their customers, we we did find there were some differences. Okay. There are a lot of assumptions made, of course, about what's, you know, okay, the, the boomers just want to have paper sent to them and they don't, you know, they're going to send you a check, those sort of things, lots of assumptions. So we started taking a look at it and, and we started doing kind of just a small research projects on each of the generations, uh, just infographics and that sort of stuff. And it was really mm-hmm. something of interest. So it caught on. So we we started, uh, we figured we wanted to put together a nice report that everybody could look at and understand. I mean, one thing about looking at the generations is we can all kind of relate to it and we all kind of can see ourselves in there. So I think it's been kind of an interesting lens to look through. Um, so for us, I mean, the real focus was how do we, we wanted to understand, um, to share with our clients, how customers wanted to be communicated with and really how they wanted to view and pay their bills. Gotcha. So okay. that's, that, those were kind of our focuses. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I thought it was an, an interesting approach, but I, I, you know, seen different approaches to, to doing this different types of segmentations, you know, psychographic segmentations and, 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 you know, using, using personas to, to try and, uh, represent different uh, different types of uh, of customers. So you you wound up going the generational route. And so what are what were some of the big findings uh, for you? Uh, well, there were quite a there were quite a few. So we found that you know Gen Z, and I'll tell you their ages here real quick before we get going. Gen Z is kind of current ages six to twenty four. Yeah. Um, some of their defining moments, which we found really kind of fascinating, was you know smartphones. They've been around since you know, they were born practically, social media, and they've also seen their parents struggling financially. And those parents are usually Gen X. Okay. Um, the millennials are in the current age of 25 to 40. So right. defining moments for them have been um, the explosion of technology and the introduction of social media. And then 9-11 was a big thing for them. That was I one of the gotcha. first things they saw. Yeah. Um, and then Gen X, and, and that's my generation. Um, our defining moments were, you know, the end of the Cold War, uh, personal computers, 
Um, I can really relate to that one because I remember not, I remember my, my family being a early adopters of computers. My okay. dad, we always had a computer. We had a Franklin computer back in the early eighties. Yeah. I don't know whatever happened to that brand, but um, we did have a home computer, but that was kind of early. Um, and I remember not having a computer until being, getting into, you know, college years, I did have a computer, but there weren't computers in the classroom, not like it right. is today where, you know, yeah. they have a tablet. Um, so, you know, personal computers for Gen X, and then just, they've got this thing where we're kind of, we kind of feel lost between two generations. The baby boomers are really big yeah. and we've got the Gen um, Z that's really big. And you don't hear a lot about Gen X. And it was one thing that we noticed when we started doing the research, you couldn't find much about them. Um, it's about us. So it's okay. kind of interesting. Cause I was like, you're right. I never hear about Gen X. You always hear about, you always hear about, you know, um, Gen Z, right. Or millennials. millennials and as, a, as a, the size of that, that group, it's the smaller of the four, isn't it? It is. Yeah. yeah okay. It's the smallest. And, you know, baby boomers are obviously huge. And then their kids were the millennials. So it right. kind of worked. Yeah. So um, Gen X, so 41 to 56 are the ages yeah. right now. And then um, the baby boomers currently 57 to 75. Um, defining moments were the uh, post-World War II um, optimism, the Cold War, and then kind of that hippie movement. So make love, not war, all of that, all that stuff. So um, anyways, with that, I just wanted to give you a little baseline before I told you some of the uh, the, the things we found between the, the differences. So you can kind of yeah. picture them as we're going, but okay. got it. Uh, yeah. So Gen Z and millennials, uh, they're the most tech savvy. So okay. we found, you know, obviously they're digitally minded individuals. They're more likely to pick a chatbot over a human. Okay. So if they want to communicate with you, they'll go on your website and chat or on their phone. Um, whereas baby boomers prefer face-to-face communication. So okay. I don't know if you're finding that to be true for yourself, but that's what we found the baby boomers in general did. Right. Yeah. So um, also with Gen Z and millennials, we see social media is um, a really effective channel for communicating with businesses. Okay. Um, they're really, you know, they don't really discern between if it's a business or a personal relationship in their social media, whereas Gen X, and I find this to be true for myself, and baby boomers don't typically associate social media with communicating with people that, you know, businesses that they're working with. Right. Um, I know personally, I keep that very separate and I think it's, I don't, I don't understand the point of, I would never go on and try to communicate with my electric company through social media. Um, but that's not true for, for all of them. And I, I, you know, I've got the Facebook and it's very separate. It's just for personal friends and I'm not communicating with businesses. So I I found that to be very true. Yeah. I think, did you use the, was that, was that the, in, in your report that you used the term uh, digital natives for, for the, the Gen Z's? Yeah, digital yeah. natives. So yeah, yeah, I mean, they've been brought up with, you know, personal computers and, right. and um, you know, mobile phones from the beginning. So they're, right. they're, they're, they're very comfortable with it. I know I've got one story, um, actually traveling with a, a colleague of mine, and she's, she's a millennial and we were trying to trying to get to the airport and they had, we'd got the wrong address and for the airport. So of course um, the Uber driver said, can you, you know, you need to change it in the system because they were taking us to the back of the back of the airport. And I was uh-huh. like trying to figure out now, how do I on the fly change this? And I honestly, I I'm usually pretty good with technology, but I I'm looking and I finally just handed over. I said, Ashley, figure this out. And I mean, in two seconds, she had no problem, you know, changing the address. She's like, we're good. So it's funny to see the difference. And even being somebody that I feel like, you know, pretty technically savvy, 
I can I can see the difference. So the digital uh, yeah. native is different. Yeah, yeah, it is right. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was interesting. Um, let's see. The other thing about Gen Z, they do like those digital wallets. You know, so okay. uh, having them on their phone where they put all their all their credit card information and all of that in. Um, they also use those peer to peer payment platforms like Venmo yeah. um, quite a bit. Um, um, that's Gen, sorry, that's Gen Z. So they like the digital wallets and the peer-to-peer payment platforms. And then the millennials, they like their debit cards. Um, okay. They like prepay options, which is interesting. Huh. Um, and then they, you know, other options that are going to kind of help them manage their expenses. So I think one thing that we found in this report is, you know, having seen uh, parents struggle, they they're more likely to use debit cards than oh, want to use okay. a credit card. That gotcha. Kind of right. Um, as far as Gen X, so uh, supposed to be more innovative when it comes to payment technology. So we found that they're more open to trying new payment technologies okay. um, and are kind of early adopters of those wearable devices. So I'm currently wearing my Fitbit, yep. <laughs> you know, yep. watch. Um, everybody's got their Apple watches as well. But um, they also found that, uh, you know, I don't maybe not surprisingly, women tended to be even more of an early adopter of those. Oh, so really... Okay. Wanting to be the people where you can look at your not only your phone but look at your watch to see yep. some of that, and I don't know, maybe it's maybe it's the tracking capabilities. I know that that's kind of what I like about it and enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the baby boomers, um, you know, we did find there's some truth to the fact that they do tra- traditionally um, want the paper payment method still, right. and um, not particularly in this research, but in some other research we found. Um, later in life, people found, you know, they didn't want to go into their email because they, they might forget, forget to see it, forget to pay it. Um, or they found that, you know, if they've got, if something happened to them or they were out, they wanted somebody else to get it in the mail so they could make a payment for them and help them. So there were a couple of things like that. And then, then some people of course said, you know, tax purposes, they just liked having the paper so that they could have it in their file. And that was just what they were comfortable with. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah. And so if you're, uh, if you're an electricity company, what are these, what do these insights mean, uh, particularly with respect to, to how they expect to be um, communicated with and how they, how they, where, where they, um, you know, where they, where that, that uh, interaction takes place? Because presumably uh, it's going to be different from one end of the spectrum where you've said people like paper and the other end of the spectrum where they're digital natives. They've got to have very different expectations when it comes to communicating and interacting with the company. Yeah, I mean, I think what we found is you're right. There's there's this big continuum of ways that people want to communicate. So mm-hmm. whether you want to call it multi-channel or omni-channel is, is really the true thing. You know, utilities really need to be providing a lot of different options. Um, you know, for their customers to interact with them. Right. And whether that's, you know, reporting about a power outage or other issue or making a payment or trying to figure out their bill, they, they need a kind of a, a range because we do have the people that are going to expect, you know, a phone call or, you know, paper. And then we've got the people that would love to communicate with you via text message or a chat bot. Right. And then there's the other people that we're even finding that are, well, you know, would love to use like Amazon Alexa to be able to say, hey, Alexa, pay my bill. Um, so gotcha. there's this whole continuum. So that, that, you know, some of that gets kind of fun, but, um, you know, just making sure you've got that and making sure that they're getting the same types of, you know, same information in all those channels. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. But uh, presumably, uh, depending upon your your generation, you would likely lean towards one end or the other of that of that spectrum in terms of different ways of, of communicating. Absolutely, and you know, one other thing, and not not specifically in this research, but some of our other research we found is that you know a lot of people um, you know like to they'll kind of even for payments, right? They'll even kind of cross across a couple of different things. Like I know my dad, who's um, he's a little bit older than a baby boomer, but he's kind of in that later generation. He he'll get an email for his to pay his bill, but he'd rather send in a check. Right. And but he and he also likes to get the paper bill, so he's getting both, right? He's getting an email and he's getting paper. So yeah. even when you know the different generations, they you know they they have some different um, choices there and want to have multiple ways of getting things. Some of the things that uh, in your report where you talked about commonalities across the the, the different generations were, uh, and there was a number of areas, but one of them was authentic experiences. Can you can you tell me a little bit about what does that mean? What is an what does an authentic experience mean in in sort of in this space? Yeah, I think, um, and you know, I thought about that a bit too as I was looking at this because it's like, what does that mean? What is an authentic experience? And and um, really, what I found is it's really about kind of creating an unscripted and and sort of unique experience for them, so they don't feel like they're just getting communicated to as just anybody, right? Like yeah. they're they're a person, right? So need to make sure it's relevant to them um, and takes kind of takes into account what's known about them. So if we know they like to, you know, get their, get their bill via text message, mm -hmm. uh, we should be communicating with them about their bill via text message, you know, payments due, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, don't, don't, and then don't send them information that's not relevant. If they're on a certain payment plan and you're sending them information about something else, it doesn't make sense. They want to know that they're being seen and, and understood, and you're not sending them a message about something that's completely nothing they'd be interested in. Yeah. So that's kind of how I defined the authentic experience. Okay. One of the, one of the other uh, commonalities was, was uh, social media. Um, you know, in, in your report, you talk about how, you know, all the generations are on social media, but um, not on the same social media and they're not expecting the same interactions. I'm guessing you would find people who are, are baby boomers more likely to be, I guess, Facebookers as opposed to TikTokers. And maybe the reverse is true for the gen, for the other side of the, the spectrum. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, we found, you know, baby boomers and and even Gen X, you know, use Facebook a lot. Yeah. Um, Gen Z, TikTok is really something of interest to them. Um, yeah, it, it's different for all of them. But, you know, having some social media presence, I think, is important. Um, and they're going to want they're going to want to see it where they want to see it. Of course, for us Gen Xers and baby boomers, we're not really that interested in dealing with our utility, maybe on Facebook. But but you need to be there. Yeah. Right. So um, it gets a little bit more complicated, but I think it's important to have a presence on all of those. So, so important top. to have a presence on all of them I, 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 is what it sounds like. So right across the spectrum. So that that's, boy, that's a, um, you know, when we started the conversation, I was, I was saying, you know, what are some of the things that have changed? That's a big change from, from, you know, 20 years ago before, before social media, um, when you had to, I guess, pay attention to three or four um, mediums. Uh, and now, even within social media, there are now so many different potential channels that, uh, that that's, that's got to make it a little more complex for people that are trying to um, make sure that they stay connected to all of the generations. 
Yeah, I, I think it absolutely is. I mean, I know even in just in our our business, trying to kind of keep up and make sure we're in the right places, it's you got to kind of keep an eye on your audience and where they are. And I mean, I'm not suggesting you be on every single channel there is out there because there are tons. But I I think the key channels, you know, your Facebook, your Twitter, your uh, maybe TikTok. TikTok's kind of an interesting one. Okay. Um, using, you know, it's primarily with video. So, um, yeah, you know, it's just something to keep an eye on, even if they're not there yet. You know, how can we use, how can we use these mediums, and how can we reach these other these generations that are now using them? Yeah. Is what you need to think about. Right. So, taken taken all together, uh, what are the what are the sort of the key messages that that your um, uh, pulling out of this report and um, and giving to uh, giving to your clients. What are the what are the big takeaways? Yeah, well, I think you hit on a couple of them already. You know, obviously, uh, make sure you're kind of understanding each of your customers and and segmenting them the best the best that you're capable of doing to make sure that they're getting kind of more of an authentic experience, so that, that you're not sending irrelevant information. Right. Um, the other thing is. Uh, we found that all generations really like short and concise messages. So, oh, okay. you know, yep. s- sending them a book of information is, is nobody's going to be able to really um, digest that. Okay. Um, you know, definitely all the generations are on social media. So, you know, you can capitalize that by, um, you know, capitalize on that to, you know, reach new audiences and, and even your existing audiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you do need to keep for payments, you do need to keep those traditional payment options for the baby boomers and some of the other folks. I mean, um, but it's important to be optimizing the digital and mobile payments. So that, that's kind of what we found. Right, right. And I, I'm guessing you know, you've, you, you've seen a, a, a shift and an increase in those digital and mobile payments over the last several years. Yeah, absolutely. We've seen we've seen huge growth on that. Um but we're still seeing some growth in, in printed bills. You know, we print oh. bills for a lot of utilities and we're seeing some, some growth there. And I, it may just be because the population continues to grow, right. but um, it, that's still slightly ticking up also. So it's all on the upswing. So Interesting stuff. Well, uh, Allison, one of the things that I ask uh, folks that come onto the podcast is about a book. Um, either a book that that uh, that uh, they've read, or uh, a book that they're reading that they would recommend uh, to the listener. Uh, so, for you, what what would that book be for uh, our listener and for for us to add to uh, what I'm I'm calling the uh, the Flux Capacitor Book Club? <laughs> yeah. So, um, I'm currently reading a book called No Ego, and it's called uh, it's by Cy Wakeman. And um, it's, it's interesting, uh, it's part of a leadership course that I'm taking, but it's about leadership styles. And the whole point of it is really about um, reducing drama in the workplace. Okay. Um, they said um, an average person spends about two and a half hours of their day on just drama in the oh. that's going on in the workplace, which is okay. equated to about 600 hours a year. So that's a, that's a lot of our workday just spent on things that are, you know, just just kind of not even really work related, right? It's the right. drama that's happening around us. So they've got this concept of, or Sai, it's a woman, she's got this concept of uh, reality-based leadership. Okay. So not really trying to fix every single issue that's happening and make the perfect work environment, but environment, but spending time to focus on the things you can control and to kind of stay away from those drama points. So I'm still learning, but I found that that's kind of an interesting approach. All right. So No Ego by Cy Wakeman. Right. Awesome. 
thanks very much for, for the addition to the Flux Capacitor Book Club. And Alison, thank you for taking the time to, to jump on the podcast. Appreciate it. And really interested to hear about this generational work that you've been doing at Kubra. Great. Well, well, thanks for having me. And, you know, if anybody does want to see the report, it's available on our website and our resources section. So. Okay. Kubra, K-U-B-R-A.com. Correct. Awesome. Thanks very much. Thanks for joining. All right. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Flux Capacitor. Tune in for future podcasts, which will include industry, government, and stakeholder guests, further discussing the implications of and the pathways to the net zero future. And as always, let's continue the electricity conversation on our Facebook page, on Twitter, and at electricity.ca.